takes a special gifting to be a children's pastor. Good job, y'all. You know, it's, we're talking about fears. Last week we talked about failure. And today we're talking about rejection. And I tell you, it's every junior high boy's fears. Asking a girl to dance, right? Guys, you've been there. You spend half the night at the dance psyching yourself up to ask that one girl out and you finally make your move. You, you walk all the way across the hall to the bunch of girls, right? To get to that one and, and you go up to her and, and, and your palms are sweaty and you're just nervous and you finally get up the nerve and you ask her, would you like to dance with me? And what did she say? No. You've been there. No. No. But what's worse is when they don't just say no, but they do this. No. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. And you calmly walk away, but inside you're just dying. That sting of rejection. We all have felt that sting of rejection before in one way or another, whether it was uh, being picked last for dodgeball or uh, told no by a potential employer, the sting of rejection from a friend, a loved one, maybe from a parent. Rejection is one of those fears that all of us harbor sometimes. But our scripture from Proverbs today lays the foundation for our proper fear of rejection. Let's read it again. The fear of others lays a snare, but one who trusts in the Lord is secure. Let's say it together. The fear of others lays a snare, but one who trusts in the Lord is secure. It's, it's a fascinating text to me. I, I really like this text because it's, it starts out, it says the fear of others lays a snare. And, and it's interesting that it doesn't say who the trap is for, but the implication, the implication is, is that we set the snare. Our fear sets the trap and then we walk into the trap and we're snared. That's the implication of this verse is that that fear, that unhealthy fear, we lay down the trap that we walk into. It, it backfires and that's what fear does to us. But the solution is trusting in God. Fearing others is the trap. Trusting in God is the protection. Now, most of us know this instinctively, but we fail for the lie and fear others. And I love the way that Robert McGee states it in this book, Search for Significance. And we've talked last week. It's a great book uh, that uh, last week's and this week's and next week's sermon is kind of revolving around some of those chapters from that book, Search for Significance. But he puts it this way. Uh, this is the lie that we often fall for. I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself. I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself. Is that you? Have you fallen for that trap? It's such a, such a terrible way to live because our, our emotions, our self-worth, they're, they're never really determined by us or by God. They're always outside of our control 
determined by someone else. We're dependent on everyone around us. It's a terrible way to live. And what's worse sometimes when we have this fear, this idea that I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself, is that sometimes because we're thinking in our mind, we have this perception that, that we've done something wrong and, and then we're afraid that we made someone mad or we didn't do something correctly. And so this perception, we might not even be sure if they're mad at us but because our brain is so addicted to approval, we start worrying about what others think about us when, and it might ruin our whole day and it might roll around in our head all day and we spend the whole day worrying about what we've done to make someone mad or disappoint them when in reality, they're not even thinking about you. You've been there before? Living with this constant fear of rejection, this addiction to approval. It'll wear you out. It's a terrible way to live and and most likely it will cause you to implode at some point in your life. Remember the formula that was a lie that I gave you last week that many of us live by? It's a complete lie from Satan. It's this idea that our self-worth equals our performance plus others' opinions. That's the lie. We talked last week about performance, that, that fear of failure, that if I fail, then my, I'm not worth anything. Today, we're looking at that other's opinions that if someone doesn't like me, then I'm a failure and I fear. This is not your self-worth. But too many of us live with this lie. We eat it up like candy. And if we have both of those fears, then it's a constant battle within us. And sometimes we don't even realize that we struggle with this until someone kind of puts a mirror in front of us. But it's a lie. And if you have this lie, if you fall for both of these, your performance and others' opinions is your self-worth, then you will constantly be in a frenzied pace to try to please others and never fail. It's a terrible, it'll leave you exhausted and empty. This fear of rejection, though, it it runs rampant in our culture. And from it, there, there stems this huge sense of loneliness and anxiety throughout our culture. It can be a vicious cycle because sometimes we don't open ourselves up to others because we fear rejection. And so because of that, then we're always lonely and it leaves us uh, empty. And typically what happens is that we end up living our lives with masks. We put masks on our face, right? And we go around constantly. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. How are you? Well, I'm fine. And we live with these masks for so long. We don't know really how we are. One, one of the ways that this fear of others' opinions comes out is sometimes is that we, because we're addicted to approval, we always say yes when someone asks us to do something. Why? Because we want their approval, because our self-worth is based on what we do for them. And, and, and we're addicted to their approval so that we can't say no to anyone. And what's worse, because you become someone who will always say yes, then other people will begin to 
glomp onto you as well and want you to do things for them. And so you're constantly running around saying yes to things and you never have time for yourself and you feel trapped because you, you can never do what you wanna do because you're always busy doing something for someone else. And then what happens? Well, then here's typically what happens. One of those people that you're doing something for and you're spending a lot of time helping them do something, they don't properly thank you, right? And so then they don't thank you and then all week long in your head, you're like, you're mad because they didn't thank you for all the work that you did. But you, you can't say no to them and so all week long you're, you're angry and you, you resent what they've done and who they are. But then when they come back to you, they ask you to do something else and you say, sure, I'll do that for you too. And it leaves you with a sense of despair and feeling unloved. Anger and resentment can become our constant companions when we're dependent on others for our self-worth. And you can see we're easily manipulated when we live this lie. This fear of rejection, though, it's rampant in families, too, and even in our culture, in institutions. I see parents that are slaves to their children's whims. Their self-worth is wrapped up in their child's acceptance of them. And if their child is mad or not getting their way, then, then they bend over backwards to appease them. Why? Because they are approval addicts. I see this in leaders too, so often, and it can break businesses, governments. But there's something, this fear of rejection it sometimes leads us to avoid people altogether. We think to ourselves, if I don't let anyone in, then I won't be rejected. It's a lonely way to live. Are you depressed yet? Well, that's actually one of the symptoms of this is getting depressed. Because our self-worth is dependent on others. So we hear this lie rolling in our heads. I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself. And it is a lie. Let me say it again. Bethany said it earlier. We will all get rejected. All of us at some time in our life. Sometimes we get rejected constantly. No one is immune from rejection. It is just a part of life. And the quicker you can realize that, I I, I think the quicker we can hopefully heal from it. No matter how smart, how good looking, how rich, how whatever you are, you will feel the sting of rejection at some time or another. But the question is, will it define you? Will it define who you are and how you live your life? Will your self-worth be defined by what others think about you? Now, through this series, we've been looking at the life of Moses, and I wanna turn to Moses again as he faced rejection constantly. Remember the the story of Moses? I mean, right off the bat, when Moses started, you know, God told Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And and that's what Moses did, right? He was doing what God called him to do. and And he went to Pharaoh and he said, Pharaoh, hey, will you let the Israelites go and let them go out into the wilderness just to celebrate one of the festivals and then come back? And Pharaoh said, not only no, but in fact, because you ask, I'm not gonna let Uh, you have any straw, all these slaves won't have any straw to make their bricks. So they weren't gonna have enough resources, but they were required to continue to have the same quota 
of bricks produced every day. And so you can imagine that didn't make the people of Israel very happy. In fact, they began to complain to Moses. What are you doing to us? You're just making things worse. Immediately, they, they rejected his leadership. Can you imagine being Moses at this time? And there's a key component I want you to understand. You need to be aware of. Moses is doing exactly what God called him to do. And immediately he was rejected. Sometimes that's gonna be the case in our life as well. See, too often when our self-worth isn't, isn't good, we think because we're rejected, we're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with us. But here we see Moses is doing exactly what he's supposed to do and he's being rejected by the people. And the consequence of what he did seemed disastrous. It makes things worse for the people of God. No straw for the bricks, they must work harder and the people reject Moses' leadership. And so that's what happens sometimes. Listen church, you might be doing exactly what God wants you to do but still not being received by those around you. And, and here I'm, I'm preaching even to myself. But one of the things that sustained Moses, I believe, was his sense of purpose and his relationship with God. He knew what he was called to do. He knew what he was supposed to do and the purpose sustained him when things got bad. Living with a sense of purpose can help us when we get rejected, can help us from that rejection mindset that we might have in our lives. But that wasn't the only time Moses' leadership was rejected. Right after they get into the wilderness, you know, they went through the Red Sea, they're out in the wilderness, and what the people say? I'm hungry, feed me. And they start to grumble again, and they say, Moses, hey, we're hungry. They complained, give us food. See, unfortunately, that's, that's the same for us too often. The, the people of Israel, they had such, that, such a slave mentality here they were free, but they rather would have lived as slaves and well-fed than free people and hungry. What about you? I'm gonna guarantee you, most of you will leave this room today slaves and well-fed instead of free and hungry. Why? It's easier. It's not a good way to live though, but it's easier. I'll just be a slave. At least I'm well fed. But we serve a God who desires to set you free. We've said it before and I'm gonna say it again. There is no healing without pain. It is painful to become free. It takes some pain because you gotta root out some of this slave mentality out of you. But living with a sense of purpose can help you in that rejection mindset. They rejected Moses' leadership in spite of all the amazing things that God had done through Moses, yet they still had this slave mentality. They weren't grateful for the freedom they had received. Instead, it was all about their comfort. And then immediately the people began to complain and thirst and reject Moses' leadership again. Later, a group of Israelites would actually rise up and rebel against Moses. We, we read this in number 16. Uh, it's 
this rebellion and, and God makes it painfully clear that Moses is in the right. Because what does God do? He, he works a miracle. And in fact, all those people that rejected Moses' leadership, they were swallowed up by a God-ordained sinkhole, right? You remember that story? So what do you think the people would do immediately after that? Oh yeah, let's get on our knees and pray and repent. Oh yeah, we shouldn't have done that. No, here's what it says in the text. I can hardly believe it. On the next day, however, the whole congregation of the Israelites rebelled against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. It's not fair, is it? Life's not fair. (laughs) He was rejected again, even though God had made it painfully clear that he was in the right. He was still rejected. This goes against our Western mindset, doesn't it? We have this mentality of prosperity. And sometimes that even seeps into our theology. We think because I'm doing what God calls me to do, I'm going to be successful. Because I'm doing what God calls me to do, then I'm going to be good looking and rich and have everything I want and have no more problems. It's all easy from here. Wrong. More often than not, because you're doing God's will, you will look different from the rest of the world. And if you don't have a sense of purpose and a sense of who you are in Christ, it's gonna be tough. Moses was the man chosen by God and he was rejected by the people he was chosen to save. But what saved Moses from the crushing disappointments and rejection? His close relationship with God and his sense of purpose. He understood that he did not have to be approved by others. God reminded him of who he was and his calling constantly. Moses needed that, didn't he? We need that. We do. We need that. So we hear this lie in our heads. I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself. But let me tell you a secret, though. If you hear this in your head, it's a lie. It's a lie from Satan himself. Satan would love for you to build your life around that lie. He would love for you, for your life to be sabotaged by that lie. And he comes in just subtly. So how do we overcome this lie? How do we live differently? This is the bedrock of our faith. Here it is, here's the answer. Comes from the New Testament from Paul as he's writing to the church in Corinth. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you hear that? This is the answer. There's the answer. We have overcome the fear of rejection when we understand the value and the approval of God over any other conditional approval of people. We see the word in there twice, reconciliation. Christ has reconciled us to himself and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a theological term. It says to bring together those who were once enemies, to be reconciled, to come 
together. Our heavenly father has reconciled you through Jesus Christ. That is mind boggling. I want you to understand the depth of this idea, this theology of reconciliation. Our heavenly father through Jesus Christ has reconciled you. God's answer to the fear of rejection is built on Jesus's sacrifice and love for us. God's answer to the fear of rejection is based on Jesus's reconciliation of our sins. God took our sin. He took our fears. He took our failures. He has nailed them to the cross. We have not been rejected by God. We have been received and loved. We have been chosen. He chooses you. He has reconciled. He has made you friends. The acceptance that Jesus has given us is not conditional on our behavior, our success, our gifts, on anything except the acceptance of this gift of salvation. Last week we talked about our justification in Jesus, the forgiveness of sins that we receive through Jesus. Reconciliation is even more relational. We have been brought back into the body of Christ. We have been chosen and accepted. This theme of reconciliation, it is the great theme of scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, we have been made new in Jesus Christ. We have been made new, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You have been accepted already. You will not be rejected ever again by Jesus unless you choose to be rejected by Jesus. When you come to Christ, he says, I accept you. I want you. I want you in relationship. He has reconciled you. What a glorious truth. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter about anyone else in the room. Christ accepts you if you will accept him. Again, I turn to scripture to remind you of this truth in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is for by, what's the word? Grace. You have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. You've been accepted by God. You've been chosen by God. If you are struggling with this fear of rejection, you might need to spend some time building some healthy relationships with people who you can trust. Remember the scripture from 2 Corinthians, which says that Jesus has given us, has reconciled us and has given us a ministry of reconciling others. And so it's part of our job as the body of Christ to help each other recognize that we have been accepted by God. It's not about what we've done, it's about what Christ has done. Some of you might need to let go of some unhealthy relationships and build up some healthy relationships. This isn't easy work. As I said last week, you might need to go to some counseling. You might have to do some hard work to break this slave mentality within you. But even though our self-esteem isn't built on what others think, we do need healthy human relationships. We need each other to do this they are important. But let me leave you with just one tool to help you, hopefully, on this journey 
of overcoming the fear of rejection. It's having the proper view of God and his justification and his reconciliation that you have received through Jesus. In fact, I'll invite Jason to come back up and any others. And again, I'm, I'm turning to Paul. When he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, remember what that chapter is about? It's about love. It's about the love of what perfect love really is. And this is what we are talking about. This overcoming of fear is recognizing that God is perfect in love. And in that perfection of love, we have received that gift. And so I'm gonna rewrite 1 Corinthians 13 and where it says love, I'm gonna put my father, my heavenly father. So I want you here as I go through this rewriting of 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to think about, I want you to meditate. Maybe this is your prayer. Maybe you can bow your head as I'm, I'm reading this or, or you can keep your eyes open and look, but, but hear this. These are words directly to you this morning. My father is very patient and kind. Now, maybe your earthly father wasn't, but your heavenly father is. He is patient and kind. My father is not envious, never boastful. My father is not arrogant. My father is never rude, nor is he self-seeking. My father is not quick to take offense. My father keeps no score of wrongs. Do you hear that? My father, he does not gloat over my sins, but he's always glad when truth prevails. My father knows no limit to his endurance, no end to his trust. My father is always hopeful and patient. Are you afraid of rejection? I remind you that God has chosen you. He will never unchoose you. You've been reconciled. Let us pray. Thank you, God, that you are a God who reconciles, who's in the business of reconciling all creation to you. May we receive that gift this morning, Lord. There's things in our spirit that, that just wants to reject that, but, but God, you are seeking us out. You are seeking that we actually be known and loved for those who are struggling this morning with this addiction to approval. May they recognize that they are approved in you no matter what anyone else says. Even now, Lord, begin to heal even now, God, begin to work within them so that they recognize that they are a new creation in you. The old has passed away. They do not have to be slaves anymore. You set us free so that we can reconcile and be a spirit of reconciliation for others. Thank you, God, for this gift. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.